It's time to accelerate. Hi, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Join me as I host conversations with the leading experts in sales, marketing, sales automation, sales process, leadership, management, training, coaching, any resource that I believe to help you accelerate the growth of your sales, your business, and most importantly, you. Hello and welcome to the show. I'm Andy Paul. And I'm Bridget Gleason. And we're here to share with you our take on the sales advice that's out there in the blogosphere, if you will, about sales, advice that, well-meaning advice that people give, and is it really appropriate to what you're trying to accomplish in your sales career? So today, we're going to talk first of all about an article that we read that's entitled, Five Ways to Improve Your Sales Productivity Strategy. And as always, we sort of leave the authors nameless at this point in time. So Bridget, let's delve into this one because this was an interesting article we both read that talked about five strategies, but none of them were really strategies having to do with sales productivity. Yeah, it, it, exactly. And as I read it as well, it, it didn't look like much that I as a sales leader or even a sales uh, individual contributor could really take away and learn something about. And for me, some of these articles, like you said, Andy, Everyone well-intentioned, as salespeople, we're so busy, and it's important to be able to sift quickly through what's helpful, what's relevant, what I should pay attention to. So sometimes things like this get under my skin a little bit because it just creates a lot of noise for salespeople to have to go through before they find those nuggets that can be really applicable and helpful and help them move to the next level. Right. I like to call those empty sales calories, right? Sometimes you need to go on a sales diet and really focus on consuming information, as you said, that that really says something that is going to help you. Actually, you know, something you could take away and put to use that really does tie itself to your sales performance. Now, my first issue really with this article is the fact that it talked about sales productivity because this has really become sort of a, I don't know, a mission with me in some respects is that I think that we really have a fundamental misunderstanding of what sales productivity is now versus sales performance. I mean, because if you think about productivity in sort of a typical economic fashion, it's it's a measure, right, of the mm-hmm. rate of an output based on some unit of input, right? So how many dollars per hour uh, or how many widgets can you build in an hour of labor? And in sales, really, productivity really should be focused on, to my mind, is really a measure of how many revenue dollars are produced through, let's say, one hour of selling time. That's yeah, productivity. Not. Otherwise, we're just talking about performance, right? And performance is, is sort of a broader measure, and it doesn't really relate to an outcome that's meaningful to the company, your employer, or you yourself in terms of earning commission. Well, and I think the other thing that I see is that if you're just, when you talk about productivity, Sometimes people interpret that as busyness, and busyness does not always equate to business and bringing in more business. And so being, some people look at being productive as number of activities, dials made, emails sent, meetings, but not looking at what's the effectiveness of those particular activities that we're doing. And so I agree with you. Productivity has to be tied to the effectiveness of whatever it is a sales rep is doing or a sales leader is doing. Yeah, I mean, I think that, gosh, one of the measures that I see all the time that people, I think, sort of misrepresent as we talk about the length of a sales cycle. 
and how that really has to do with productivity. And the fact is that the length of a sales cycle is really just a measure of how long it takes the customer to make a decision. And it doesn't really tie to your sales productivity. I mean, ultimately, it will. But in and of itself, as a measure, it's really kind of meaningless. I mean, if you yeah. tell me, look, the customer took three months to decide, and we invested 20 hours of selling time during that period to get a $100,000 order, well, that tells me something. Because I know that salespeople only have so many hours of selling time in a year. So I can, I can you know, do all sorts of extrapolation from that that one measure of productivity, number of sales hours invested to get a certain outcome and say, okay, well, what can I do to improve the outcome for the number of sales hours that are invested? Yeah, I, I agree with that, that, that the length of the sales cycle does correlate with a customer's buying cycle. And I think where salespeople and sales skill really comes in is when, when a salesperson can help the buyer navigate and put together a plan through their buying cycle. So mm -hmm. I've seen some sales reps, many sales reps, the best sales reps are the ones that are very effective at, at leading a, a prospect and potential buyer through a buying cycle that actually helps them often truncate and shorten the, the, the buying cycle. Because oftentimes the buyers don't want it to be longer. They no. would like to be shorter also. So Absolutely. the things that a salesperson can do to help guide through that is a really important sales skill and I think very uh, helpful to a buyer because typically the things that I read about it, and Andy, you may, you may as well, buyers don't want them to be long. They're not looking to have anything elongated as well. So mapping, mapping what their buying ideal buying process and cycle looks like and how a salesperson can it can help them in that, I think is, is really important to pay attention to. Yeah, and it gets down to this idea that I talk about is that you need to make sure that every time you interact with a buyer, that you're delivering something of value to them. And yeah, my definition of value in sales is really quite simple. It's just any information, and that could be in the form of questions, data, insights, context, but any information that helps the prospect move at least one step closer to making a decision that has value for them. Because again, yeah. it serves them to the purpose of moving them along in their buying process. And so if you're interacting with that buyer and you're not delivering value, then you've got this empty sales call. And yeah, if you have multiple empty sales calls, you're elongating the buying process and the process really reducing your odds of winning the business because the customer is making this, this decision, this judgment that, these guys aren't really worth a lot of my time because I'm not getting much value from them. Every time I give them some of my time, they're not giving me anything that's helping me move forward. Yeah, and you know, you hear time kills all deals. So the longer it takes, and as you say, if you're not adding value along the way, then it's just empty calories, empty time that a, a prospective buyer will eventually not want to participate in that anymore. I would also add to your definition of value, Andy. So as you said, anything that moves them one step closer to being able to make a decision, and also any, any insights about their business or business process or the market that they hadn't thought of before. Mm -hmm. So any, way, any ways that you can help them 
be more knowledgeable, things, things that they haven't thought of but that you may know because you deal with customers like this prospective buyer all day long and their market and you understand some of the challenges. Yeah, and I define information very broadly. I mean, like I said, it it's could be, yeah, you're just giving them facts and figures they didn't know. It could be questions that you ask. That's information for them, right? Because it's causing them to rethink about what they're doing, what they're trying to achieve. It could be the insights, as you talked about, that, you know, how are other customers, based on our experience, how are other customers using our product or service to maximize the value they're getting from their investment? Um, you know, that's, that's an insight. That's, that's information for that, something they didn't know. So I, I didn't mean to define it too narrowly. Actually, it's quite broad, but it's it anything, again, that, that helps them take that next step. But it's also something you're doing deliberately and consciously. Well, and it's why salespeople need to be really prepared before they make the calls and before they interact, whether it's by email or by phone or over any sort of social media, to be knowledgeable and be prepared so that you can come to the table and, and add value. Right. So if we get to this article about these five strategies to increase sales productivity, if we use sales productivity as the measure that, that we described, the five strategies are one is, and we'll come back and explore them in detail. One is prioritize the customer. Two, establish clear CRM objectives. Three, identify influencers and champions faster. Four, combat app creep. And five, adopt electronic signature now. So I Where out, of, out, of all, out of all of those, maybe one of them in terms of identify influencers and champions faster is faster, excuse me, may help with, with sales productivity. But let's start back at the beginning. So prioritizing the customer is well, not sort of by definition that you have to prioritize the customer. And the thing that's interesting about these five points is really beyond prioritizing the customer, all the rest are really about prioritizing your sales process. But um, <laughs> that's, I guess that's part of the problem with the article. Uh, yeah, and, and I guess when it goes, it goes back, when I go back to the title, so I click on this blog, five ways to improve your sales productivity. So I imagine that I am a rep looking, trying to self-educate, and I open up this article or this blog post, and I see prioritize the customer. That, as you say, Andy, seems like so so obvious, so table stakes. So, and it also doesn't give me anything actionable. No. to prioritize the customer. There's nothing actionable in there that I look at and say, ah, now I know, uh, now here's how I can be more productive or more effective. There's nothing in that that's helpful to me. It, it seems like a, a, a platitude that's just sort of thrown out. It, it's, an em it's empty advice, in my opinion. Right. Not helpful, not specific, not measurable, not actionable, not useful. So if you are, now we want to take that bit of advice and we try to turn it a little bit to make it beneficial to you as a salesperson or a sales leader that's, that's listening to the program, how would, you about, how would you go about prioritizing the customer in such a way that it is useful? Now, for me, what that would mean is, look, I need to become as familiar as possible with the customers that I'm dealing with, right? Their businesses, their problems, the types of solutions they're looking for from products like mine or products and services like mine. And really become an expert as much as possible in that field. And but that way I am prioritizing the customer if I do that. 
I, 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 I totally agree. And I think it goes back to what we were, we were talking about, which is being able to add value. And if I really prioritize the customer and his or her needs, it means that I need to have done a good amount of research and due diligence, table stakes to know my product, table stakes to know it inside and out, and what the value proposition is of my product. I need to go a step beyond and think about the customer individually, as a person, not as a persona. And that means finding out on social media who they are, what they're about, what they talk about, what they're interested in, what they favorite, so that when I, and their business as well, how their business is doing, what challenges they're having, so that when I have that conversation or when I have that reach out to them, that I prioritize them in a way that says, I'm thinking about you and your business specifically, not about me and my product and how to make sure I get the sale. Right. And it gets back to time, right? Because if you've done this prep work, then you're going to make better use of the time the customer invests in you. And that's really critical for sellers, sellers to think about is that the customers make a decision to invest time in you. And they can make, is easily make that decision not to invest time in you. If you've been in a sales situation before and you thought the deal was going along swimmingly and suddenly the, the customer goes radio silent, well, chances are in many cases they've made that decision that you're just not worth any more of their time. Yeah, that's, that's absolutely correct. I think another thing to bear in mind is that our prospects and customers have at their fingertips the World Wide Web, which gives them tons of information about our product, our market, our competitor, other people who are using it or not. They, they look on social, they look for referrals before they are, are willing to invest in a product or service. So they have likely have done a lot of research or at a minimum can do a lot of research. For us to show up to the conversation without an equal or greater amount of research and due diligence is, in my mind, we're not doing our jobs. Absolutely. I agree 100%. And so part of this with prioritizing the customer is respecting their time. Right. I mean, lazy salespeople that don't respect the customer's time, haven't done the work and the due diligence that you speak about, customer gets it they feel it and you're suddenly you're you're playing from behind at that point and that's just no place to be no you don't you don't win playing from behind all right so we're going to take a short break we'll be back right after this we'll talk more about these strategies to improve your sales productivity hi this is andy connect and sell is used by sales reps at nearly a thousand companies including hundreds of technology startups and several fortune 500 companies to overcome the challenges of getting prospects on the phone. Companies using Connect and Sell grow their revenues faster by enabling their sales reps to have more sales conversations in 90 minutes than they could otherwise achieve in an entire week. Connect and Sell can be deployed directly to your sales reps or you can take advantage of their outbound on-demand service, which delivers qualified prospect meetings scheduled directly on your sales reps' calendars. Visit connectandsell.com to learn more about how Connect and Sell can start filling your pipeline today. Welcome back. This is Andy and Bridget again talking about sales productivity today. So we'd seen an article just to catch people up from the beginning. We had read an article about uh, supposedly talked about five strategies to improve your sales productivity. And we both concluded very quickly that it really did nothing of the sort. So now we're trying to 
go through the article and provide ways perhaps to help the author make the point more clearly about how you do improve your sales productivity. So the second strategy, I guess, that was put forward by this author was establish clear CRM objectives. Now, is there anything about that that really has to do with sales productivity? Well, if, if I guess, no, I, I'm really trying to dig deep on that one. So again, if I'm, if I'm an individual and I'm going and I've clicked on this blog post, how to improve, you know, five ways to improve your sales productivity strategy, establish clear CRM objectives. The CRM are not the ones that that's not a strategy around CRM objectives. Um, there's, you may have sales productivity objectives and the CRM is in support of that, but I don't see the CRM as being something that we want to have objectives. It's, it's a support rather than a, uh, a, a driver. This one's very confusing to me. Well, I think if, if companies across the board, and I, I'm going to point out small and mid-sized enterprises primarily as in my experience, are maybe the least adept at really pulling the value out of a CRM system and to be able to use that in support of improving their sales performance. You know, if they could focus on that aspect of it, right? Obviously, part of it is you get compliance to get the data in that you need and defining what it is that you want to capture, the data that you want to capture, so that if a manager goes back through and actually reviews, uses the tool the way it should be used, is to go in and review what's happening in terms of the salespeople and the interaction on key accounts, that they can then come forward with some help to the salesperson, with suggestions, coaching, mentoring about a particular account strategy that could, in fact, increase their sales productivity. Yeah, I, I think if you're going to define objectives somewhere, it's how do we, there's a lot of data. There's a lot of data being created by salespeople by being created by our prospects, being created by our customers. There are footprints everywhere. So my intention and my goal and my strategy as a sales leader is how do I collect information from all of these different sources? And how do I centralize it? Sometimes that's in a CRM. I don't think there are any CRMs that do this really well. I think this is a, an area that we're gonna see a lot of innovation. And then I want to be able to look and sift and parse through that data so that I, as a sales leader or an individual, can make good decisions about which prospects to go after and in what order, what things they might be interested in. As a sales leader, it's going to give me information about types of people to hire, when to hire, my forecast, lead quality, conversion rates. But I'm looking to be a data-driven sales organization. And I just see a CRM as being the place where I can collect that information and then and then sort it in ways that I want to sort it so that I can make good decisions and that my, my reps can make good decisions. Yeah, and I what, think we're going to see a lot of innovation there. Right. And I agree. And I think that, but even part of what you talked about there is really sort of activity oriented to a large extent, right? With a lot of the data that, that's collected in CRM or now companies are you know being more adept at collecting information that you know gives you dashboards with activity levels and so on but when i was making it is and i'm i know that you do this but it's 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 that coaching right it's okay we've got some individual deals we're working on is how do you help that salesperson learn how to become more effective 
working and closing a deal. And to me, CRM can be a great tool for that, especially if you're doing your weekly account reviews with the reps and you spend a few minutes and go through the record of what they did with a particular account, you know, their top five accounts, let's say, for the week. And you look at what they did in the past week with those accounts, the interactions they had, and then say, okay, well, let's look at this account. To me, this is what they seem to be saying to us. What are you hearing? What's the next steps? And so on and so forth. Well, I think it's I think it's both, Andy. I think that's you're maybe talking a little bit further down the process, but I, I think that's one area around coaching. But I think either even further up the funnel, um, prospects and customers are leaving footprints all over the internet that can be collected mm-hmm. by uh, tools like a Marketo or that rep- tells rep- us reportive or nimble or, or the social and- CRMs. And, and any any things that any things that we see on Twitter and LinkedIn, and I so I think part of it is even before we get to the coaching piece, if we're if if we're smart about being able to help identify the most qualified mm-hmm. to, for the reps then to go after and then begin that coaching session there, I think there's a great opportunity so that we give our our, our sales reps the ability to go after and interact with the most qualified. Yes. And there's a lot of tools that will enable um, sales individuals and sales leaders and teams to be able to to better do that. But at some point, though, and this is really a question, sir, a philosophical question for you is, at some point, though, in the qualification, yes, we've got lead scoring. We've got these these automated ways to look at, at interactions with customers that, you know, apply analytics that's going to give us a number, right? And that customer reads that's a number and based on the number we're either going to consider them a sales qualified lead or a marketing qualified lead and you're going to nurture them some more but doesn't you know the ultimate qualification yeah you can make a decision based on that scoring whether to spend more time with them initially but it seems like there's too often a rush to substitute that number for a real qualification of that prospect i agree with that but i think where the tools are helpful is it, the tools are helpful in eliminating just the junk and the noise and it, things that you don't want your reps spending time qualifying. Mm-hmm. So I think there is a base level of qualification that I that I want a tool to do, and I want the more refined qualification to be done by the sales rep. But there's a certain amount I just need to get out of the pipeline at the top because it's expensive to have my reps qualify when it's very easily disqualified mm-hmm. by the tool. Okay. Good advice. All right. The next on the list here was identify influencers and champions faster. Now, there's a lot of good sense to that. I mean, that's that certainly is something that, you know, if you look at, you know, the increasing sort of consensus nature of decision-making that appears to be evolving, you know, based, look at research that Serious Decisions did about this that they presented uh, earlier in 2015, is that, yeah, the ability to identify that people are going to have the input onto the final decision and do it more quickly and get them engaged more quickly certainly could improve productivity. Yeah, the only comment I would make on this one is I would probably have renamed that, or when I think about this piece of advice, which I believe is the best piece of advice in the group, is to identify influencers and develop champions faster. Because I think oftentimes champions don't just exist in the organization. Oftentimes champions need to be developed. Mm-hmm. And how do you do that? 
Well, I, I go back to an early piece of advice and what you and I were talking about just in this session, which is adding value, understanding what the prospective customer, what their, what their work life looks like, what their challenges are, what, what struggles they're facing, what, what are their hot buttons, what, what is their business, and what can we do to help make them successful? So I think you're going to develop a champion if you can help them with insights, moving their decision making along further and faster, uh, helping them with things that they perhaps didn't know that you know from working with other customers like them, that'll help develop a champion. Anytime you can help somebody be more successful in what their objectives are in their business, you're going to you're going to start developing a champion. Exactly, and I think that's really the key for people. Again, the audience listening is two things really. So who who is this really important to, right? You know, when you're looking within your customer organization, somebody has ownership of what it, the outcome of what it is that you're selling. Somebody has ownership of that, and it's really important to them. And if you can make them successful, then they will become that champion for you. And you may need multiple champions, depending on the size and complexity of the deal. Right. So find that find those that person or those people who, this, as I said, have this ownership and who the outcome is really important for. It may not always be immediately evident who that is. So you have, right. to, you have to think about it. But they're going to be involved in the decision at some point if they've got ownership of that process or that, um, you know, whatever it is that your, your product or service influences, they're going to have input. So you need to make sure that not only you identify who they are, but as you talked about, develop them into a champion. Yeah, and I, I again, this one of all of them, I think, does have an effect on sales productivity is who internally is going to be advocating for your product or service when you're not in the room, when you're not in the meeting, when you're not there to talk about the benefits of the proposal that you've presented. So that's it. You, you need to develop those people and have those people within an organization and know who they are and know what drives them. And that, that is, it, like I said, in this, in this blog post, actually a, a very good sort of thread to follow. Exactly. And I, when you think about how do you develop people into champions, how do you get them to be able to sell when you're not there? And I think we'll address this in a different forum and a different uh, episode. But, you know, the ability to give them a, a vision, what we call a buyer's vision, right? What's, what's it going to be like using your product or service? if you can give them that sort of compelling mental image that they yeah. have, I mean, similar if you're thinking about buying a sports car, you go into the BMW dealership, let's say, and you sit behind the wheel of a car in the, in the showroom, you know, you're not just sitting behind the wheel of a car in the showroom, you're actually driving that car down the road, right? The top could be down, the wind could be blowing through your hair, you know, sun shining on your face while you're you know, driving up Highway 1 in California. You've got that mental image of what's going to be like to be behind the wheel. Well, you need to be able to create that image in the mind of your champions and give them something that they can sell, as you talked about. Yeah, I, I heard once that at Nordstrom's, the large uh, clothing retailer, that in their sales training program, the first thing or one of the most important things they train their salespeople to do is to get people in a dressing room. Because it's that same point, Andy, that if you get people to try, try something on, whether it's a car or a piece of clothing or a technology or a service or a product, 
when they shift and start to imagine themselves in that world, in that car, in that new dress, in that new environment using this tool, you've just moved them one step further along the buying process. So you're absolutely right. Getting them to imagine and that vision, them using it is a very, very powerful, very, very powerful uh, tool and technique. Great. Well, I think we're going to wrap up on that note because we're just about reached the end of our time. And maybe we'll talk about the final two issues that came out of this blog blog post, our our next uh, episode. But it's been great talking about sales productivity, sort of false solutions, and what the real solutions that we came up with out of those. Hope you've enjoyed the show. We look forward to talking to you next time. This is Andy Paul. And Bridget Gleason. Good selling, everyone. Thanks for listening to the show. If you like what you heard and want to make sure you don't miss any upcoming episodes, please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher.com. For more information about today's guests, visit my website at andypaul.com.